Hi, this is Mark from Anchorage, Alaska. Hey, I'm Sarah from Reno, Nevada. Hey, this is Tyler from Los Angeles. The Sound of Young America is produced independently and supported by listeners like you and me. You should support the show just like I did. Just visit MaximumFun.org slash donate. I'm Jesse Thorne, live on tape from my house in Los Angeles. It's the Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org and PRI, Public Radio International. It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest on the program is Linda Barry. She's one of the nation's most accomplished comics artists, um, graphic novelists, comic strip writers, uh, artists, etc., etc. Et um, her comics have run in alternative newspapers uh, across the country for um, many, many, many years, and more recently she's turned much of her time uh, towards writing longer works. Um, her book of just a couple of years ago, What It Is, was about the process of writing, and her latest, Picture This, is about the process of making art. They're beautiful multimedia comics collage uh, works um, that, as I said, are about process. Linda Berry, welcome to The Sound of Young America. I'm delighted to be here. It is a pleasure to have you here, <laughs> Linda. Um, describe, if you could, to me, uh, because I did a lousy job, uh, the form of these two most recent of your books. Well, I wanted to, um, I wanted to make uh, books, two books, about um, something I call an image, and, or, and my teacher called an image, which is the, the thing that she said was contained by anything we call the art. So the first book, I, I talk about it by using writing. And the second one, I uh, talk about it by using drawing. But when I was writing the one about writing, I didn't want to just do writing about writing. You know, when you, it feels a little bit like you're in a, like a, a mirror, like a little mirror maze or something. I wanted to make it so that the person who was reading it didn't even know why they were getting the urge to make something. And um, the same thing for the new book, Picture This. I wanted it to be about drawing, but without any instruction on how to draw. Uh, I just wanted to make it so that when you started to flip through the pages, you just had this itchy urge to, to make something. And I wanted to uh, make both those books completely by hand. And to use um, stuff that you could just get at the corner store, like um, it, they're all made with just all you need are scissors um, and Elmer's glue and um, some paper from the trash. So that's what I wanted to do. And I also and my goal was to make it so um, for this book. You remember when you were at the dentist when you were a kid, they had this magazine called Highlights for Children featuring Goofus and Gallon. Yes. And um, it was not a great magazine, but <laughs> but you were in a. It was not very good, but but uh, but. You were in a tense situation, which is the dentist. And yeah, Goofus and Gallant and find the hidden whatever. And um, so I thought to myself, I wanted to make an equivalent of that um, for an adult. And the thing I pictured was the Jiffy Lube waiting room when you have to go get your, <laughs> you know how when you're in there, and even if it's an old, old People magazine from two years ago, Tom Selleck's on the cover, you're just like so grateful. So I wanted to make a book that would be like, and I kept picturing it in the Jiffy Lube uh, waiting room. And it's a book that you can open anywhere and move, move through like a magazine. That was my idea. And to make it so that it's not an intimidating art book. And if you just want to look at it and say, I could do that and then close it, well done. <laughs> what do you, I mean, what are the images that come to your mind when you think of drawing as a kid, drawing pre 
adolescent for, for you personally? Um, well, first of all, um, scribbling is one thing that comes to mind, as I really remember. But my big uh, breakthrough, that actually my big, the first uh, drawing that I ever sold, I really, uh, you know, I knew about the Playboy bunnies. And I, uh, so I would draw these girl bunnies in little bathing suits. And, um, and uh, yeah, and then I started just leaving the bathing suits off. And um, so I would sell them and I got busted <laughs> for doing it. But I really, there was just something that was really wild about being able to, with a crayon or with a piece of paper, and, and, and make this picture that was, you know, contraband or, or kind of exciting or wrong, and which is really an interesting thing, crayon, piece of paper, and then this third thing that happens, this image, and, and it um, makes your body feel a certain way, whether it's scared or excited. And then what's, what's, um, what happened to me is what happens to everybody. There's this point when you realize you're not that good at it. So there's this feeling that unless we're really good at something, we don't have the right to do it. We have to leave it to professionals. So I started to, um, what I got interested in was, was a, a study that was done about the brain and about um, what parts of the brain are, um, are activated when a kid is in deep play. And by deep play, what I mean is where the toy is playing back with you, kind of. And also on what uh, an adult brain looks like when, a, when an adult is in creative concentration. And their brains looked identical. And it was, um, it was an activation of the entire brain, like the limbic system and, and uh, all your spatial relationships and balance. And um, I put together this thing about what we all know about playing. Everybody knows this around the world, is if you have a kid and uh, you give them everything they need, except they're never allowed to play till they're 21, we know they're going to be crazy. Everybody knows that which means we have a tacit understanding between the relationship of uh, play and mental health. And for a kid who's, if, if, so this, we're going to have this experimental kid, never allowed to play. What if we just show him a picture of a kid playing, playing Lego? That's not going to do it. Watch a DVD. That's not going to do it. Um, that's not going to serve that, that function. And that's where we are as adults, for the most part. We just watch or look at a picture or watch, you know, listen to a DVD. When it comes to art, it, it seems like the dichotomy that develops uh, uh, when when the creation of art stops being just a sort of freeform play and when it starts to have an objective mm-hmm. is between beautiful and not beautiful mm-hmm. and, and that's sort of the good and bad of art and not art. How, how did you experience that dichotomy when you were becoming self-aware in your art, when you were 10 or 11 or 12? Well, there is a point in cognitive development where um, you can tell that the chair that you're drawing doesn't look like the chair that's sitting across the room. But more importantly, anyone else in the room can tell that. And then people get ashamed and inhibited. And then the whole point is to make um, something that is uh, pleasant to look at. But that also includes like heavy metal monsters. Those can be really pleasant to look at. But it's interesting watching. I I remember drawing a lot of side views of airplanes because I just had that. I had that outline. With the tail? Yeah, with a little tail fan. Uh And then a wing. Yeah. You know, the, the direct side view of a wing. Well, I, do you still draw that every now and then? Uh, yeah, from time to time yeah. I'll draw an airplane. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I think that that's almost all adults who quit drawing still have some little thing that they 
doodle or they draw, particularly if they're having they're in a situation that involves having to listen to something very boring or to wait on uh, on on the telephone for like the cable man to pick up. And it's and so when people say, "Oh, I can't draw," and I say, "Well, what do you draw when you're at a at a bad meeting?" And they'll say, "Well, you know, I draw eyeballs," or "You, you draw your side view of the plane." And and it, there's something about that act of drawing that actually makes a a boring situation tolerable. Why? I mean, that's really interesting to me, and I'm convinced it's because it actually activates a different part of the brain. It's the sound of young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is the comics artist Linda Barry. Uh, her new book is called. Picture this. It's a book of collage and art and comics and all kinds of stuff about the process of creating art. It's a follow-up to her best-selling book, What It Is, which was a similarly formatted book uh, largely about writing. When you were in college, when you were like a freshman and sophomore in college, before you met the the woman who became your mentor and, and taught you some sort of guiding principles that that are reflected in these books. Um, what kind of art were you trying to make? Well, I was making a lot of drawings of, um, I really liked the, um, let's see, what's that called? It was um, Art Nouveau style. So I was copying a lot of Art Nouveau. I really liked the way those those curves went. But I didn't think that I should study art because I'm, I was the, I went to a hippie school for one thing, but um, I was Evergreen in the Evergreen State, State College yeah. in Olympia, Washington. Um, but I felt like I, art was something I sort of already knew how to do. And so I, I should study something I hated so I'd get my money's <laughs> worth. You know what I mean? Sure. And so it took me uh, two years to figure out that I should really pursue this thing that I, that, that actually soothed me and brought me some kind of, um, that really brought me a benefit. So, um, so the, but the first year I studied the history of science, which I loved. And then the second year I studied the, uh, history of the middle ages and the Renaissance. I liked history. What did you learn when you started studying art in college and met your mentor and, and how did that, what you learned change your, your life and your way of doing your work? Well, for one thing, it was a very unusual, it was, a an images class, so there were sculptors, painters, and photographers in the class, and, and, and people who drew, and there were only 20 of us. And um, my teacher, Marilyn Frasca, um, her idea was that there is no difference between looking at a picture, making a picture, writing a story, that it's, it, it's all about the state of mind, the serial state of mind. I wish she had told me that earlier on, then I would have had a bigger clue. But... Um, so what we, in order to be in her class, we had to do 10 finished paintings a week. We had to write five pages a day. We had to memorize poems. Um, and we had to learn how to look at pictures. Uh, the, like, for instance, the critiques in her class, were, it would be somebody would put up their work, and then no one was allowed to say anything. We just had to learn how to be able to look at something for, um, it started out 15 minutes and then got longer till, to, until it was an hour. And that, um, that will get that frame of mind that I was talking about, um, that thing where you go from looking at something and thinking you know uh, what it is to being very bored to finally the picture kind of looking back at you, where it's, where it's, it's reciprocal. Now, all of these things that you're describing right now, mm-hmm. uh, I feel as I genuinely feel scared. Just hearing you describe them scares me. Because? It's... It's like oh, like more than I can handle. You mean just sitting and looking at something? Yeah, absolutely. Well, or but, making almost anything. Yeah, but see, that's the the trick is, um, I'm the kind of making I'm talking about is tracing your hand and making it a turkey. 
You know what I mean? See, look, see, look, you're happy. But even just thinking about that, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, which is well, what happened when turkey's you, a great animal. Turkey's for one a great thing. animal. They're you really can, stupid and fat, and you can draw them pretty easy with your hand. You can yep. put a beak on them, give them a little cigarette, um, which always uh, that will uh, spice up any drawing. Um, <laughs> but the thing to remember is just our tips. We're <laughs> but just you imagining it. And you, I saw how you looked and you smiled. Something happened in your body right then that people are out on the street trying to buy illegal drugs to make that thing happen. Um, so if you think about when I talk about this having a biological function, I don't mean it as a metaphor. I mean direct. Um, so if you make something thinking about that, that's the thing you're looking for, that, that sensation that you had when you thought of tracing your hand to make a turkey. That's what we're after, the the. The tr- drawing of the turkey doesn't matter. That's not. It's, it's not that it doesn't matter. I hate that. You know, like our, it's not that. It's more like getting uh, this feeling of what an image feels like. And Marilyn's idea was once you understood that, what it feels like, like the serial trance, the form you give it is up to you. And I was convinced by that. By the end of, I studied with her for two years that I could do anything, whether it was uh, writing a novel or making a painting or doing a comic strip or doing a play. And it turns out that's what I, I, can, I do feel like I can do anything. So uh, let me ask you this question. I, you know, uh, I, I myself am uh, the kind of person that's really great at figuring out all the flaws in a plan. And, <laughs> and to, <laughs> to my credit... You mean before it even happens? Sure, of course. I yeah. mean, to, to my credit, I'm also pretty good at addressing them when I figure them out. But mm-hmm. um, what I wonder is, what is the process that you use to take this, you know, play space and use it to generate something that you do care about after you've done it? A picture, a picture of a turkey that you want to keep and not throw away. Well, it has to do with having an experience. And, um, for me, one thing that's vital is that I kind of don't know what the thing's going to be about. But I do know, um, for example, if I'm going to be, if it's a piece I'm going to write, I like to know how long I'm going to be writing for or how long the piece is, is going to be. But I, um, what I, the way I set up my writing class and the way I do it myself is I just have this big bag of uh, index cards with nouns on them and sometimes gerunds or ing words. And I have everything set up ready to go. Maybe it's going to be a four panel comic strip. I have those um, drawn. And then I have to swear that whatever word I pull out, that's the word the strip's going to be about. And um, the same thing for drawing. A lot of times if I'm going to sit down and draw and it's like, okay, I think I want to draw Marlis running down the road. But before I do that, the thing I always do is I do the alphabet with my brush um, very slowly. I do the alphabet because um, there's something about being in motion that once you're, you're, the brush itself or moving, uh, moving your hands around, that will get you in that part of the brain activated and ready to, to, to draw. I don't think a computer does it the same way because a computer, you can't forget the fact that you have a delete button. And I always say if I had that on my life, I'd only have like 27 minutes maybe that I'd keep, you know. So there's something about um, the hand, writing by hand or drawing by hand, the hand in motion. And there's lots of interesting science behind that, too. Um, there's something about just hand movement. I mean, even while I'm talking to you right now, I know we're on the radio, but I can't talk without moving my hands a lot. And they've done studies about that where they make people hold their hands still and they have a harder time expressing themselves. So I think there's something about the motion of the hand 
and our beautiful opposable thumbs um, that is really connected to whatever this art world is, whatever the image world is. And so all I have to do is just get my hands in motion. And um, that's how and 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 have a, a shorter amount of time to work than I think I need. So one of the things that I often end up talking to comics artists about is the seclusion of being that is almost inherent in being a comics artist. I mean, I remember talking to Dan Klaus about the fact that he just talks to his dog like his dog was a person because he just doesn't have anyone else to talk to up in his attic mm-hmm. where, he ma- where he does his work. Mm-hmm. Um, you seem to have insured that for yourself by moving to a farm in Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you, how do you, you seem like a reasonably social person. How do you like the experience of being um, isolated and, and how does it relate to your, you doing your work? Well, I never really feel that alone. Um, you know, I, I don't feel isolated because I think that that would have a that would have to involve some kind of loneliness feeling, you know, or something or be, feeling of being alone. When um, I my characters are really alive to me, and um, and actually, one night after I'd been out with pals at uh, at a bar, I was laying in bed, and all of a sudden I realized I was never going to meet Marlis and Arna. They just I was never, <laughs> and I started crying. It was so, I thought it was so sad, and the next morning I realized it wasn't that sad. I was just sort of drunk. But <laughs> but uh, no, I'd never feel like I'm alone out there. And a part of it is that image world. It's no if if I was going to be alone for I don't know a month straight, not even seeing somebody else, that wouldn't be a problem for me. Um, except for I'd miss my husband very much and my dogs. <laughs> um, but Linda, thank you so much for taking all this time to be on the San Diego America. I'm delighted to be here, and I hope you will take the time to trace your hand. You, yes, you, I'm talking to you, to trace your hand and draw a turkey and put a little hat on it and then give it a cigarette and then have it saying something to someone that you hate. <laughs> <laughs> See? You feel better, Why right? I, okay. How about this? I, I will do. I not only I will do this, and I'll also scan it into the internet. I'll post it on our forum in the discussion thread about this show when it comes out. Except that the only thing is, I'm I'm not. I'm going to leave out the thing that I would say to someone, someone I hate, hate because I don't want to put that in public. I'm. Sh- it can be someone in history. <laughs> someone who's gone <laughs> so but or you just just whatever you want but i just like when i said someone you hate i love how you just lit right up <laughs> i always i think hatred's been given a bad name frankly <laughs> well thanks thanks again linda berry is the author of picture this um uh, a book all about the process of creating art and how you can create art in in myriad forms both you can create art in myriad forms and the book takes myriad forms it's uh, the follow-up to another wonderful book called what it is about writing that's our time for another sound of young america program i've been your host jesse thorne america's radio sweetheart the show is produced by speaking into microphones our music is provided by dan wally the show is edited by nick white Julia Smith is our producer. Our development director is Teresa Thorne. And our intern, gosh, I guess probably as this airs departing, is Leo Portugal. Hi, Leo. Thank you. You can find us online at MaximumFun.org, where you can download all of our programs for free. And our newest show, Judge John Hodgman in which author and minor television personality John Hodgman settles the petty personal disputes of people across this great nation. 
It's all at MaximumFun.org. If you have thoughts about the show, you can always email me, jesse at MaximumFun.org, or post them in our forums at forum.maximumfun.org. We'll see you next time right here on The Sound of Young America. The Sound of Young America is supported in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered online at ask.metafilter.com.